Welcome to the daily Hachana audio program for Yud Aleph Nisim by Maishli In the previous podcast, we began to discuss the story of the Yidin in Russia. We spoke about the great iskashos this Yidin had and Chassidim had for the Rebbe, even after being separated and never seeing the Rebbe, many of them in their entire life. We spoke about the great love, care, and concern that the Rebbe had for the Yidin in Russia and how the Rebbe organized a secret organization to smuggle Svarim into Russia and to give support to these Yidin. A lot of these Svarim were copied over by hand by the Chassidim in the Soviet Union and then distributed to members of Anash. Now, I'm sure you're curious to know, where did all these secret Svarim and recordings come from? Let's find out who smuggled them in and how it was done. But first, we need to understand that the Soviet Union did not allow anything into the country that had to do with Yiddishkeit. They would check and take away whatever they found. Anything Chassidim had were secretly and dangerously smuggled in. Well, what happened is that Israeli diplomats and Lubavitchers dressed up like tourists and went into Russia as if they were someone who was just coming to look around and visit the country. Over the years, the Israeli government put much effort towards helping the Yidin in Russia through the Israeli embassy in Moscow. The Mossad, the Israeli secret intelligence organization, also had a department whose job it was to keep in touch with the Yidin in Russia. One of the first steps taken by the Israeli personnel was to supply Yiddish Svarim and anything Yiddishkeit related to the Russian Yidin. But that wasn't enough for the Chassidim. They begged the Israeli government to be able to receive Sikhes and other writings and talks from the Rebbe. And with a lot of work and effort, this was able to be done. Mr. Avram Cohen, who served as the second secretary of the embassy in Moscow, also helped the Chassidim a great deal in obtaining what they needed. A few years ago, Mr. Cohen shared some of the details of his work. He was born to a Frum family in Poland and learned briefly in Temchitmim in Lodz. He had seen the Friedrich Rebbe and so he knew the Lubavitch Chassidim and their uncompromising Iskashras to the Rebbe. Mr. Cohen describes how he gave Chabad Sedurim to the Chassidim and recalled the details about delivering specific Sifri Chassidus. My mother of the Middle Rebbe and other Rebbe, nearly all of them went to Malachovke, a town near Moscow where there was a concentration of Chassidim. All of this stopped in 1967, shortly after the Six-Day War, when the Israeli embassy in Moscow was shut down. In the years that followed, instead of the diplomats bringing Chassidus, a new secret network was built up to help transmit Jewish ritual items, as well as Divrei Chassidus from the Rebbe. These were the Chassidim in the form of tourists who were sent by the Rebbe to Soviet Union. They brought Svarim of Yiddishkeit and Sifrei Chassidus and Nusichis and Maimorim of the Rebbe. The name Soviet Union is how we will be referring to Russia because it was more than just Russia under the communist rule. They controlled many countries and therefore it was called the Soviet Union. The tourist trips began at the end of the 1960s and continued for about 20 years until it was possible to legally enter the Soviet Union in order to spread Yiddishkeit. These tourists would also fabring and strengthen the spirit of the Yid and Chassidim. At these Fabrengans, the Chassidim would want to hear every drop of information of what was happening with the Rebbe, what the Rebbe said when he Fabrengan, what Nunigan the Rebbe introduced, and so on. Each new piece of information was welcomed with great delight. On occasion, the Taurus would film these Fabrengans, in the course of which the Chassidim would speak to the Rebbe and mention their names and their mother's names and ask for brachas. Later, these videos were viewed by the Rebbe. Since the Chassidim in Russia had no direct way of corresponding with the Rebbe, they couldn't write a letter with their question and ask for a bracha. The government wouldn't allow it. So what did someone do when they needed to make an important decision? We know that a Chassid does not make a big decision without asking the Rebbe first. It was not possible to send a letter directly to the Rebbe and ask him because of the censorship of every letter that was sent abroad, especially to the United States. All the more so for Chassidim who were blacklisted by the KGB. 
One thing they would do when a chassid wanted to send a question to the Rebbe is that they would send the letter written in code to a friend or a relative living in Eretz Yisrael. Then it was decoded by that person in Eretz Yisrael, rewritten, and then sent to the Rebbe. The answers were done the same way in reverse. The Rebbe would respond to the friend or relative living in Eretz Yisrael. He was the go-between between this chassid in Russia and the Rebbe. And then he would copy it over into code language, and forward it to its final destination in the Soviet Union. From the time a question was sent, and when the answer was received, weeks could go by. For example, when deciding about a shidduch, the details were written in code and sent to Eretz Yisrael, and from there to the Rebbe. The answer was sometimes given in Lashna Kedish, and sometimes in Russian. In the meantime, the young man and woman and their parents waited for weeks and sometimes months. But as always, the Rebbe's answer and bracha arrived, even when the chassidim were behind the Iron Curtain, because Mekushardim received an answer, no matter the circumstances. Sometimes, the Rebbe sent the letter directly but in code, and not on the official stationery and without the Rebbe's full name. The Rebbe sometimes would sign his first name, and sometimes signed as Zedeh. Rebbe Tzim Vichetsky merited to see firsthand the Rebbe's cure for Russian Yidin, Listen to his story. In Tovshin Yudches, 1958, my father's uncle, Rabbi Yaakov Yasev Raskin, left Russia. My father sent with him a letter to the Rebbe asking if he should submit a request for exit visas and did not receive a reply. A few years later, in Tovshin Chafei, 1965, our friend, Rabbi Zalman Vernarsky, was preparing to leave Russia. Seeing his friend was about to leave, my father once again decided to ask the Rebbe if he should submit a request. Rabbi Zalman was hesitant to take the letter, because if it was seen by the border guards, it might put the whole trip in jeopardy. But my father insisted that he wanted to send the Rebbe an actual letter in his handwriting, not just a message. In the end, Rabbi Zalman agreed, and my father wrote a letter on a piece of cigarette paper, which is very thin and easy to hide. Rabbi Zalman sewed the cigarette paper into the lining of his coat, and that's how my father's letter got to the Rebbe. A while later, we received a letter from my uncle, Rabbi Yaakov Yisav Raskin. Between the pages of the letter was a slip of paper with Rebbe's handwriting on it. It's an absolute miracle that this message was not taken by the censors who looked through every piece of mail. The message said to submit requests to the family. And at the end, the Rebbe wrote in his handwriting, Do svidanya dadushka. We will see each other. Zayde. We knew that we'd be seeing the Rebbe shortly. And indeed, our visas were approved and soon we were out of Russia. Kindalach, we are Baruch Hashem able to write letters to the Rebbe without any words at all. Let's make sure that we are sharing our good news with the Rebbe and asking for brachis to make us better soldiers in Sivis Hashem.